Hump Day Quickie's Swingers Confessions is intended for mature audiences only and contains explicit language and sexual situations. This is not intended as any professional advice. Welcome to Hump Day Quickie's Swinger Confessions. Here in the sex apartment, we share our own sex-positive stories and welcome our friends to open up about their experiences in the ethically non-monogamous lifestyle. back from Naughty and Nolens, rested and we've had time to gather our thoughts. On this episode, we discuss what we would do differently next time, what we enjoyed, our sexiest moments, and we really dig into our personal growth and the true sense of community that we felt around us. And we're back at the sex apartment. The sex apartment this time. Yes, finally back. Good home, to be home. Home sweet home. Yes. Yes. We are back from Naughty. And rested. We have had about a week to recover and put our thoughts together. Yes, really digest the whole week, which has been like it's a whole it's been a whole journey, right? It really has. First off, if you haven't listened to the bonus episodes, that's kind of where we break down to day by day and some things we needed to split into two episodes to go day by day. Yeah. But one of the episodes we talked about the sense of community and everything and the emotions really came through there. Yes, they were very raw and real. And it wasn't just that day. It carried on through the last day, through the trip home, through a couple days at home even. The plane ride home was <laughs> literally me and you switching back and forth, looking at each other with eyes full of tears. Like it was just as we we're remembering moments and you were editing. I was editing that episode. Podcast yeah. And it was it was just an emotional roller coaster of feelings and something we weren't prepared for. Not even slightly. When we signed up, we're thinking we're going to the biggest swinger party there is. This is going to be so much fun and so overwhelming and so fantastic. And, you know, we couldn't wait to do the fun stuff. We anticipated a global fuck fest, if you will. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, naked people, right? Mm-hmm. And just all of the all of the things. Yes. And um, while we did get some of that, not all of that, we were pleasantly surprised to also have a very emotional reaction to it as well. I would agree. Before we dig into the biggest moment that happened while we're there, I want to dig into things we would have done differently, some of our favorite things, and see where that takes us. Okay. Let's start with you and something you might do differently the next time we head to Naughty or you might suggest for people. I'm going to reverse it. Let's start with what you would change. First and foremost, I'd change my expectations. I don't know why on earth I thought we would be walking in there and the playrooms would be much different than the playrooms at our club. What was your expectation and what was... When I hear Tantra Center and things like that, for some reason I pictured we would walk into the room, there would just be piles of bodies everywhere. And in fact, it was more just... I honestly don't know what were couple swaps and what were just people that like to have sex in rooms with other people. Right. For some reason I had in my head, you would walk into the room, lay down on the bed and just be engulfed the way I'd seen in movies like Taboo or whatever. <laughs> well, there you go. That's and, your problem. Yes. Yeah, 
So my expectations are the first thing I would change. Okay. Another thing I would change is the fact that I went into this approaching it differently than we do at home, where I thought we would be able to walk in, ooh, that couple's attractive. How do you guys like to play? Oh, we like to play like that. Let's go play. But the fact is, that's not us. I went into it expecting that we could do that. And that's not us. That's not how we make connections. That's not how we play. With our lack of experience in other hotel takeover type spaces, our expectations could have been off just because of that. Mm -hmm. And I think going into it, we probably, or at least I know, I thought, well, we'll not see these people again. So maybe people are more quickly to play. Right. I kind of assumed that that was the approach that other people would have in that space is that, oh no, let's just go play. Let's just go play. And, you know, because there's so many people here and there are, you know, thousands of people, we have options every single day. Well, you know? we had heard the, if you see somebody you want to play with, let them know now and go do it because you're never going to see them again. That there, was not the case. There was a person in our hallway that had a dry erase board with times on it mm-hmm. of sex time. Like you sign up for whatever time and basically come to their room at that time. They're just literally having sex in all their possible open free time. Yeah, we don't do things that way. No, we do not. (laughs) We need to build a little more connection than just sign up on our board. And it being the size of the event that it was, it actually made it more difficult to make those connections and more difficult to build upon connections. Even once we had made an initial connection, there was just so much. You couldn't maintain a connection with the same couple like the following day because there was just so much going on. We we lacked free time. We did. For damn sure. Yeah. Because of that, you're right. We did not have the chance to, hey, that was fun seeing you last night. Let's go grab breakfast in the morning and see where we can build this by tomorrow night. Right. So if we were to do it differently, I think continuing to do it our own way and build those connections, we would have to spend a more significant amount of time with one or two couples building that connection. It wouldn't necessarily have to span multiple days. I feel like given all of the different events that are going on, you're fitting in that connection building time into your free periods. You might have to make it span multiple days to, in order to build those connections. But at the same time, I think we could also build that connection from bar takeover to bar takeover to dance that night. Possibly. It's hard to... The way our schedule was, we couldn't have. But it's hard to build a connection at a bar takeover. Mm -hmm. I mean, every single one of those bar takeovers, the music was blaringly loud and it was very difficult to hold a conversation. Mm -hmm. For me, a lot of my connection is in the talk between people. So something nice that Accidental Swingers set up for their own group of fans and us as well was they put together uh, multiple Zoom meetings where you could meet other people essentially before put a face to names and stuff before you actually got to New Orleans and and we're like overwhelmed with all these thousands of people. So I met a single guy on the Zoom, which kind of got the getting to know you questions out of the way on the Zoom. And then when I got to see him at one of the events, it seemed like instantly I was able to click with him because I already had some like kind of basic knowledge. Yeah, and you clicked all right. <laughs> <laughs> he was super it's amazing su- how easy it is to click with you topless and uh, in <laughs> tight ass booty shorts. And a and little foamy. Water and-, and so, yeah. <laughs> Look away. <laughs> But that opens that door, right? So much like the way we do our pre-parties, 
at home before we go to the club, I think we need to develop that same kind of sense before we're going to something of this size. I agree. Marina and Tristan have done this enough times that they do know that those Zoom groups and connecting beforehand is a big part of helping, Mm -hmm. at least at the very, very least, just having familiar faces to see in the hallway. We were so overwhelmed with getting everything ready for this. We just, we didn't have the time to put into it. I know, I know. I think the big thing is go through the website, meet people, build some early on connections of people you'd like to connect with and find the time to make those connections because we did not do that. Nor if we had done that, we didn't have the time to do it. Well, And if that's the type of swinger you are, if you need that connection, if you need to build that before jumping in the sack with people, then yes, that's going to be a method in which you should use. Now, if you're not, then this event can be easily right up your alley where you might be able to just point at somebody and say, come with me and you're in a room together. Mm-hmm. We just haven't managed to do that very well. So. Yes. So for this event, when we packed, we made a spreadsheet with all the different things throughout each day that we were going to. And will we be able to wear that outfit from this event to that or do we have to stop and change? Yes. And in doing that, we came up with 27 outfits that we needed for this trip. Yes. We came home with three clean outfits each. Speak for yourself. I came home with two clean outfits. So what I'm getting at is we did not drastically overpack we did not. for a five-day trip with 27 outfits. But we had different events that we were doing that maybe somebody else might not be doing. So right. so if you're spending all day at the bar takeover and then grabbing pizza on the way back and then going to the party at night and then going to the playrooms, you only need three outfits at that point. Yeah. But if you're doing... If if you even need an outfit for the playroom, some people... (laughs) Some people will just take their club outfit, walk down to the playroom, toss it in a toss bag, it in a bag and, and then done. go play. Yeah. However, if you are doing a seminar in the morning where it's very air conditioned, mm-hmm. so you can't wear the outfit that you're going to wear out to the bar takeover where it's hot as fuck. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and do another seminar. You want to go have dinner. You want to dress the theme for the party. You want to wear something sexy to the playroom. Now all of a sudden you have five or six outfits each day you need. It really depends on what you're doing and how you schedule out your day. And I think we did a good job when we made our spreadsheet. We did a very good job on being honest with exactly how long we could wear an outfit. And a lot of what went into that thinking was mostly like the bar takeover outfit. Are Mm -hmm. we going to be in a hot, sweaty environment? And if we're going from this environment to now going out to eat to dinner or something like that, is this an outfit I can continue to wear or not? We were very good at deciphering when we would need to change and when we would be like, it's, you know, be pushing it. But I think that having spelled it out the way we did was actually the best thing we could have done. I loved the fact that we had our <laughs> outfit spreadsheet because... And all the outfits stacked in order. So it was literally <laughs> just, okay, here's the next day. On we go. In Ziploc bags. <laughs> Let's try to bring a little sexy into this podcast. <laughs> what are you talking about? This hasn't been sexy. <laughs> What are some of your favorite sexy moments? Uh, Well, I think that dancing is sexy no matter what. So any of the theme parties where I got to dance, but also the bar takeovers where I got to dance, (laughs) all of those are sexy moments to me. To build on the sexy of that, watching you dance, there are two bar takeovers in particular that I was watching you dance and going, wow. (laughs) She's fucking hot. Number one being the phone party. Yeah. As you are wet and soapy and topless and skin tight shorts on, grinding up on people. 
guy, girl, you name it, in sandwiched in between people, hands all over you, and just grinding away, making out. It was just, wow, that's fucking sexy. <laughs> and it's hard to hide an erection <laughs> in a swimsuit, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Did you need to hide it in this atmosphere? I'm just... I wasn't sure, to be completely <laughs> honest. Like, it should be a good thing, right? Yeah, like, one would think, be... <laughs> yeah. Probably right. Honestly, I feel sexy when I dance. I feel like dancing can be foreplay to me. I don't know if it comes... It, it probably stems from being young and going to dance clubs, and that's all I could do because I wasn't old enough to drink. And then the dance clubs got... I don't know. I'm of the 90s age group when I was a teen, so I did a lot of grinding on people. Like, that was the way we danced. <laughs> That's just how I know how to And do. you know how to do it very well. Uh, and I can confirm that you do enjoy the dancing, because I remember at one point during one of the night parties, I slid my hand up your skirt, and my fingers slid straight into you. I said, holy shit, you're soaked. <laughs> you're like, I like to dance. <laughs> I do. I do. You know, you can't dance like that anywhere. So, you know, take the opportunity where you can get it. I agree. (laughs) You should take that opportunity every time you get it. (laughs) So ultimately, just dancing, period, that ranks up there with all the sexy moments. What's a sexy moment for you? The first 10 minutes of the darkroom where I could physically engage in contact with you. So I knew exactly where you were. Mm-hmm. I could see the silhouettes of the people surrounding you and hear the sounds that you were making was similar to my blindfold moment, but on steroids. <laughs> I was incredibly hard through that first 10 minutes. After that 10 minutes, as you kind of got pulled off to another bed in the room and I was like, okay, I don't have contact with her anymore. I can kind of hear, but there's lots of other things going on. It kind of pulled me out of that. Mm -hmm. But when it first started hearing your reaction as you were being touched, Mm -hmm. I know what your blowjob sounds are. And so (laughs) hearing that and hearing the sounds you make as someone enters you was really fucking hot. The dark room really doesn't rank up there in one of my sexy experiences. At, at any point, did, was it? It was just so much to overcome just to walk through the door. And then once I was in there, you know, I was like, okay, I'm okay. This is all right. But it was a meh kind of feeling, you know. To bring it back to things that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. I think you and I, hand in hand, walk straight into the room, straight to the bed, mm-hmm. lay down on the bed, start making out, then... Once you are excited and in the moment, you make one sound. And at that point, the, ooh, woman. I know. They really, yeah. (laughs) It's like a light for bugs. (laughs) And to be there on the bed with you, in contact with you, Mm -hmm. as other things happen, I think would make that a sexier time. Maybe. I, you know, I like my sense of sight. I know you do. I know. <laughs> and really I know, works. and I know you did it to try it. And I know you did it because you knew how the blindfold worked for me. I kept an open me, mind. I did. I did go in. I did have a full blown experience. I didn't cut it off before it nope. ended. I let it be what it was. Yes. We'll see. But I, you know, we'll put it on the could happen one day shelf. It's a very crowded bookshelf of the could happen one day. <laughs> yeah. That's getting more and more crowded these days. <laughs> what other thing did you find sexy about this? 
One of my checklist items was completed at one of the bar takeovers, and that was very sexy. I don't know if I'm allowed to say who it was and what all happened, because I don't know how... Well, how about you say... He would feel about that. How about you say what happened, and Uh, we'll leave the who it was. I got to make out with a very handsome gentleman, and he worked around my shorts, and he fingered me while he was making out with me on the dance floor, essentially. While you were dancing, yes. I also got to feel how hard he was in return. And, and his wife and I were very much enjoying watching the two of you do that. <laughs> I very much enjoyed being a part of that. And, and she very much noticed how hard you did make him. <laughs> that was the sexiest thing that happened on a dance. I, I mean, while I love dancing, <laughs> that was the sexiest thing that happened on a dance floor for I, me. I will, we were... <laughs> I will say that definitely was the sexiest thing that you did on the dance floor. <laughs> For me, the top sexiest moment was sitting on a chair in the plus one room and watching couple after couple, guy after guy, stop and watch you move your hips, grind your fucking pussy, and fuck like the superstar that I get to see on a regular basis. Watching each of them stop in their tracks and the gentlemen that spend time in that room hang out hoping for the opportunity to enjoy that. While at the same time, the gentlemen that were enjoying it, who typically know their job in that room is five to 10 minutes and okay, thanks for stopping by, going, you know what? No, it's the last night. I'm going to get what I want out of this and stretching that time out with you. So sharing my beautiful, sexy wife and showing how sexy she really is was one of the top sexy things for me. Well, I'm happy I could be one of the sexy things on the list. As far as the plus one room goes, goes i mean it's hard not to rank that in the sexy realm because i think i felt sexy from the moment i was first commandeered in the hallway by (laughs) the first gentleman that took me into that room and then it's really difficult not to feel completely sexy when you have three or four guys waiting for your attention yes but i will say that there is definitely a part of me that did some growing on this journey with the plus one room because i I was hesitant to go down that rabbit hole of wanting multiple men, one after another, after another. I don't know if there's still some shame in my own head. That's really slutty and that's really bad. But you are one sexy fucking <laughs> slut. <laughs> but there was a lot of growing there. That room specifically, the way that it was set up, really helped me leap over all of those hurdles that I didn't really know I had, but I knew I had, you know, all at Mm -hmm. the same time kind of thing. You know, as a female who has plenty of insecurities, lots and lots of insecurities, when that first gentleman came up to me in the hallway, you know, my reaction in my head is, oh, you're paid to do this. But I don't think they're actually paid. I think they do this on their own. They're just like single guys who want to be there and want to do this. But in my head I'm thinking like oh this is kind of like this is your job like you're supposed to woo me so that you get what you want and Mm -hmm. this is kind of a yeah okay you'll woo me and I'll be like ooh, and now we can have sex but even though it seemed like meaningless in that sense it still got me over that hump right it still got me into the bed it still got me able to do this but I think the biggest thing that got me even further was after our interview with 
PJ, which we haven't aired yet, but we will. Hearing how woman-centric that room is meant to be Mm -hmm. and the thought that they put into it to make it woman-centric. And when they say woman-centric, it is about the woman. It is not about those guys. So that first experience kind of got me over one hurdle, but we got to talk to TJ between going back again to the room and then after learning what I learned from TJ and then going back to the room, it was kind of like a whole new world. I was like, okay, I get this. I get this now. Like, it's not about these guys. It's not about pleasing. And I think that was always my hang up was if I'm with multiple guys, it's my personal responsibility to make sure each and every one of these guys has a great time, comes. I'm going to ride myself raw until these guys have had a great time. That thought or that feeling never sat well with me. Like, I didn't want to be the sole provider of their pleasure and have to actually also provide it. Well, it sounds very selfish to be like, yeah, I want five guys, but none of you are going to get off. It's just whenever I'm done with you. Kind of helped me. (laughs) It kind of helped me get through it was that, okay, I can just be done when I'm done. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be about getting this guy off. It doesn't have to be about completing anything. You know, it can just be solely about whatever I want the experience to be. Yep. Do you think that helped you get to the longest, most extended, most intense orgasm I have ever seen or heard you have? Oh my God. I think that was that very well endowed slash amazing sexual abilities gentleman I was with, but I had never done that specific position. So this was number four and I was already pretty sure I wasn't really going to come. Like I didn't think I'd come with him. Everything felt great. It, it always feels great. I don't have to come for it to feel great. And um, You were enjoying the sex. I was enjoying it. And he moved me into a position, while I've had variations of this position before, I've never done it quite like this. So it was me flat on my stomach, legs together. He entered me from behind, only... Now I've had it this way, only this time I was playing with my clit. So I had my hand underneath me and I was playing with my clit. I don't know if he had some unusual curve to his penis. He was very well endowed, but whatever it was, he hit some spot (laughs) like beyond the G spot. It was like, I can't even tell you what it was. I have no idea. Because it was so fantastic. And he just kept going and I kept going. And I don't, and you're right. It was an extended orgasm. I've never had an orgasm that just did not stop. And I explained it to you. It wasn't multiple orgasms in a row. It was like the same orgasm just extending out for a long period of time. I've never had that. I've had it where I've had one orgasm and then another, and it was pretty distinctively different orgasms. This was just one really long orgasm, and it was fantastic. How long do you think it went? Like three minutes? (laughs) I don't know. It, it felt like it felt like five minutes to I, me. I but know it was for me, not, I was even. like, "Wow, she's still coming. She's still swearing. She's still coming. She's <laughs> all my all my keywords." And yeah. it just kept going, and your legs were quivering. He was covering you in such a way that I couldn't tell. But were you still touching yourself as mm-hmm. it was going on? Mm-hmm. That was something big for you, I think. Because typically once you start to come, you stop rubbing and go, okay, I've come. But you didn't stop and he didn't stop fucking you and he didn't stop hitting that spot and you just kept rubbing and rubbing and you were like, I'm going to ride this fucking wave. Yeah. And you rode it and it's something I want you to keep riding. (laughs) Of course. Keep riding. I'm just saying. But that speaks to it being number four. 
Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. My clit gets so sensitive after that first one. But then if I play with it again, even after a couple minutes, it's like desensitized. You know what I mean? So it's almost like, and you know this from when we come home from a party or doing something, I hurt myself trying to get myself to come again and again mm-hmm. and again because it's almost like the sensitivity is not there anymore. Like I can't feel it. So then I go harder. In this case, it was almost like desensitized. So I was playing with my clit just to kind of continue to enjoy things. Internally, he was just hitting a spot that felt amazing. So I think that weird combination of being somewhat desensitized and then also like hitting in internally the right spot where I think typically when I feel that desensitized, I'm not really fucking anybody, right? I'm usually, I don't usually have anybody entering me. It's always just, oh, I'm just going to sit here and play with myself because it still feels good. It mm-hmm. just, I just don't ever feel I'm going to get to the orgasm part because it's just lost that amount of sensitivity where mm-hmm. it's going to just take so much longer to get there. But had you already come once or twice prior to that? I didn't think you did. The first guy really, really edged me where it was, I came close so many times with him and everything felt fantastic. But every time I would get like just about there, some movement, some change, something would happen. And then I'd be like, oh, oh, I didn't get it. You know, like, so it was a great buildup for (laughs) number four to have a extended orgasm. And from what I remember, two and three also did a pretty damn good job fucking you. And you were just, I think you hit the nail on the head you had realized earlier that day talking to tj that your job isn't to get them off it is their job to please you and they are there to fuck you for as long as you'd like them to and then say thank you and move on they know if they come they're done for a while so they're holding back trying not to come but at the same time enjoying the shit out of fucking you Right. So I think that was huge for you too. But that took a lot of pressure off of me as well, though, because if I'm thinking I've got to get this guy to come, I'm moving myself in positions that aren't always exactly hitting me in all the right spots because Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get him to come. So with taking off that pressure of I need to get this guy to come, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I can go with whichever position is feeling good for me. I'm here for me, not Mm -hmm. here for them. That is one of the advantages of using a room like that where you don't have access to a room like that at every event or even at most local clubs probably won't have a room like this. Uh, You can use single guys somewhat, but you're going to run into that. Well, he wants to come. (laughs) He's not saving it for the next girl. You know, now do you feel that in future single guy encounters, you can go in with that mindset of I'm here for me right now. Let me get to my point. Not necessarily because I actually think it was that particular setup in that particular room that made me feel that way. I think in any other scenario that I can think of, it's going to be in our home environment. It's going to be at our club. It's going to be more locally. We're going to be talking about single guys that we're reaching out to who, yeah, they're having the encounter so that they also, they too get off. So that does change things a little bit. I mean, it, it will- Which is interesting because every single guy wants- you to come first. But I hate coming first. I absolutely cannot stand coming first. And I know you're the same way when we fuck. You want me to come first? And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to. Because once I come that first round, I really tap out. And so like, of course, in this situation, I had one after another. And that was helpful in the fact that I kind of pushed through. But I actually like edging. I like waiting until I'm absolutely done or you're absolutely done. And I know I've finished work. 
where I can just lay back and be like, I'm done, like done in all of the ways I'm done physically. I have come done. I don't want to do any more work after I came. Like that's my reward. I came, I've unwrapped my gift. I'm going home. (laughs) So now we've talked about things we do differently. Mm Mm-hmm. Our favorite sexy moments. Now I think it's time to talk about our biggest surprise of this event. It was shocking that A, there was even an emotional reaction at all. Right. And then B, for it to be that strong. Yeah. I think it was a lot of things that lined up to make that happen. Yes. And all the stars aligned and it really opened the gates for that to happen. So let's talk some specifics. Let's get down to what it was that touched us and what it was, I mean, in all of the ways, and (laughs) what it was that made this such an experience. I would love to try. (laughs) Instead of breaking down day by day, I feel like we can pull out the things that stand out to us Mm -hmm. and explain, kind of walk through those things. Because in the height of our emotion on our bonus episode, the words were not there. We no. did not have <laughs> the vocabulary to talk about exactly how we were feeling because it was really all very much in the moment. Plus, yes. I think we were slightly delirious from lack of sleep, but that, I, I mean, it, that might have played a part. It was four o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> there's also that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that first moment that really started the sense of community for us was the fact that Marina of Accidental Swingers put together a happy hour for any of the podcasters that were there a little early. We were running a little behind, surprise. (laughs) And we walked in about five or 10 minutes late and we immediately see Marina and Tristan and Crimson and Phoenix. Then a group of people we don't know. And right away, (laughs) and, and going to it, I was nervous as fuck. Yeah. You noticed a change in me. Nick and Elizabeth were like, wow, you're a little tense. You okay? And I didn't know what to expect. Right. This was our first well, time being no out anywhere, idea. meeting people like that. or We had no idea what other podcasters were going to be there. Right. And while we do our best to really try and listen to as many lifestyle podcasts and alternative life type podcasts, mm-hmm. we were very nervous about meeting people that, and we had never heard, you know, their content or known anything about them. So when we walk in, everybody jumps up to introduce themselves mm-hmm. instantly on full overload of wait, I, I'm sorry, who, what was your name? Yeah. And first Marine interest in Crimson and Phoenix come and give us hugs. Mm-hmm. And then they introduce us to Dr. Stephanie. Yes. Of the Evolve Your Intimacy podcast and her incredibly beautiful assistant. Yes. Beth Darling from the Come With Us podcast. Yes. Super sweet. And Dominus and Mixon from the Dom Experience podcast. Yes. Another unbelievably stunning one. Oh my gosh, she was beautiful. Yes. And we just all sat down and talked. And there was no pressure. It was just joking around, having fun, asking questions about, hey, how do you do this? What's easiest for you to do that? And everybody just smiles on their face, happy to share whatever they can to help everyone do things. Yes. There were questions about podcasting. There was questions about lifestyle. There were questions about naughty and what to expect. Dominus and Mixon live New Orleans. So they were kind of giving us the rundown of what to do and what not to do and what to be aware of. And uh, we were like, we couldn't believe Bourbon Street on Monday night. That was crazy. And they laughed at us and said, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) That was nothing. It was just really a nice group of people who we all just had 
this podcasting in common and being in the lifestyle in common, that was enough. It was enough to have us all bond in that moment. Yes. So we weren't the last ones to arrive. No, because then minutes later. (laughs) We had Anna and Ryan from Sensational Unicorn show up. Yes. And this was actually kind of amusing because we had never met, but we've exchanged email correspondence plenty of times. Dozens of messages, if not hundreds of messages. And we refer to them. Actually, that's where we got our little dare game that we played while we were at Naughty. And we go up and we hug. Well, I hugged Ryan and I said, I'm Nessa. And it's, I don't know. I don't think he heard me. And then I think they were kind of deer in headlights too when everybody stood up and yes. everybody's saying names and so you're like okay what's going on because for them <laughs> they got to the hotel late they dropped their bags and came running over to the podcast meeting group. yes they but, didn't yeah. even check into the room they just will put their bags at the desk and go straight there and they looked like they were still trying to get their bearings straight from having traveled yes and then Anna sits down, I introduce myself, and she goes, oh, you're G. <laughs> and she turns around and go, do you know who they are? He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, he doesn't know. <laughs> but then the, oh, my God, when he does realize. Yes, that, that it was, was great. So we conversed amongst ourselves. And not even five minutes later. Kylie and Brad and the Life of Spice and DJ Life of Spice. Walk in. It was nice to have a face that we knew. Yes. Introductions all around. And we finally got to meet Life of Spice and DJ Life of Spice, which we had been waiting about two years to actually finally make that connection. The seating arrangements continued to get mixed up every time people stood up to say hello to somebody new. So you, it was almost like a musical's chairs where wherever you stood up, you were not going to be sitting. It was definitely getting more and more difficult yeah. to find a spot. And there were fewer and fewer chairs. And <laughs> You had made your way over and were talking to Kylie and Brad and Life of Spice and DJ life of spice and i had a seat on the other <laughs> side um over by anna and ryan so i'm i was talking to anna and also marina from accidental swingers they were on either side of me so i was having conversations on both sides while you were over there talking to life of spice and i had no idea but in that moment you were completely falling oh in head over heels for her most adorable voice like instant crush <laughs> I didn't realize this was happening. I'm having my conversations. And as we are getting up to leave, you come over to me and you are like, oh my God, you have to come (laughs) over here and hear her voice. I was like, wait, did I just... Usually it's like, you have to come over here and meet her. But it was like, it was like, you have to hear her voice. Oh yeah, and meet her too. She's like really... And sure enough, I think all she had to say was, oh, it was nice to meet you. And I was like, oh, I get it. (laughs) But the key takeaway from that whole event was everyone there was just extraordinarily nice and welcoming and just couldn't have been a more pleasant conversation with everyone. It also gave us familiar faces to run into throughout the trip. Which was so nice. Mm -hmm. Just because they were familiar faces didn't mean that they had to exchange the familiar face glance or wave or nod or whatever, but they did. Not just a nod, not just a wave. It was very much a hey, and it was so... There was a lot of stop and check-ins throughout the entire time. Yes, it was so great. They were like instant friends. It was great. Just add water. Yes, I (laughs) wish. mm, (laughs) Then they're more than friends. (laughs) 
things grow. It's weird. And this kind of set the mood for how I feel I ended up interpreting our entire trip Mm -hmm. because this really set this feeling and this vibe of we're all here sharing in this community, sharing with one another how we got here and what our purpose is. And then each one of us are using this platform to get the word out mm-hmm. about the lifestyle and to destigmatize it, right? Because everything that Dr. Stephanie talks about and Beth Darling talks about on an educational level, they put the word out there. Yes. And Dominus and Mixon getting the information out there about BDSM side of things. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a wonderful group of people. Everybody had their own angle. Everybody has their own positive vibe. That they were just, everybody was there trying to get that out there. Yes. I really felt that. Another moment that stands out for me was at the phone party where all of a sudden walking through the crowd, we bump into Dan and Lacey and we show them our badges and they go, oh my God, it's you guys. And <laughs> and we have that moment of finally meeting after two years of talking yeah, for I us for- facelessly. I know. <laughs> I forget that people haven't seen us. So in my mind, I'm just me, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was nice to meet Dan and Lacey in person. And unfortunately, I don't think this was the moment where we really got to meet them though, because the music was really loud. They were kind of in passing, but something kind of fun happened. But when she (laughs) said, do you have a Sharpie? I know that you need to sign my tits because we've been listening. And (laughs) to have that moment of, hey, we were listening and we want to be a part of what you're doing speaks to this whole community of we want to do things to work together and accelerate this. Yeah. Support our friends. Yes. So that first moment of introduction as they were walking through trying to get out of there (laughs) was another standout moment. Then we head back and go to the podcaster meet and greet. Yes. And we get an opportunity to meet a handful of fans. And having that moment where somebody comes up to you and tells you how much they've listened to you, what your podcast means to them. Because to us, we're sitting in a living room talking into microphones with our friends. And the fact that people listen to us still amuses me to this day because all we're really doing is just having the conversations that we would typically have on those first dates or even just going out with them and going, Hey, so what happened? What, what's the most recent adventure you've had? But to hear that the things that we talk about mean something to people and encourage them to try things and encourage them to get into the lifestyle meant a lot. It's very validating to hear somebody say, I listened to this episode and when you say this, I totally identify with that and I feel the same way. And we actually had one couple say that the female of the couple needed more of a connection before she was going to just jump into bed with somebody. Mm-hmm. And the male half of the couple said, listening to our podcast and the way that we had said something very similar made him say, oh, okay, I need to slow down. I need to pull back and let her build that connection so that we can do this. To me, that touches me. It's hearing that kind of thing where knowing that somebody heard something that I said, can identify with it, feels the same way, and then uses that Mm -hmm. to then improve their experience. It's like, holy shit. I feel so happy that I could say something or that I've used this platform in a way to help somebody else. Yes, totally agree. That was the best part of meeting our fans or meet, you know, meeting people in person. That in the makeout sessions, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's that too. I'm trying to be serious. 
Then the next morning, as we had missed one of the events that we wanted to go to because we got there a little late and it was full, we were walking through the podcaster area and sitting there are John and Jackie Malfi. Without any hesitation, questions, they clearly didn't know who we were because our faces aren't out there. They saw that we were podcasters and sit down, sit down, sit down. Let's talk. Let's talk. Yeah. Turn on the microphones and just started chatting. Their reaction as we described our podcast and how much she loved hearing stories of basically what you just said of how little bits of each episode touch somebody at some point that reaches back out to us and says something. Knowing that someone who has been as influential as those two have been validated what we were doing, made it mean that much more as well. And were open to talking to us Mm -hmm. on their podcast, you know, recording for themselves as well. So I thought that was fantastic. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk. Let's have this conversation. It gives you that sense that we're all here doing the same thing. The podcast community that we got to meet while we were on this trip shared very similar goals in getting the word out that the lifestyle is just one fantastic place to be and it helps your relationships it grow it makes you build strong foundations in your relationship it it just does so much for you and that we're all just doing our best to try to show the world that yes. that's what it is exactly the Next big moment came during the podcaster panel. You were so excited about this podcaster panel, and I was not. I was not. I love being on stage. You love not not being the center of attention in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) One thing I absolutely love about having this podcast is that from the comfort of a room filled with nobody... Just you and me. Occasionally two. Occasionally a couple other people. But without an audience staring back at me, I can share my true thoughts, my true feelings, my true self. If you get me up in front of an audience, my heart pounds into my throat. I can't think of the right words to say. And I have so many to say, and I want to say it so badly, they do not come out of my mouth. I just physically cannot get myself there. There was a point on this panel where Marina had asked all of the podcast podcasters what your favorite thing about podcasting was or about having your podcast like I vaguely remember rambling something about well we learn so much from all of our guests because we interview people and it's true it's 100% true I have loved every second of every interview that we have had because I almost inevitably walk away from every single one of our interviews having learned something new Some of the time, even having to change my mind about thoughts and feelings I had about the ways that certain people approach lifestyle. I've changed my own viewpoints on that, where I might have come in feeling one way. And then after an interview with a couple who does it that way, learning, oh, wait, you know what? It's not what I thought it was. Now I can change my mind. And I've always been a person who's willing to hear what other people have to say and let other people kind of argue their point or argue their method. And I'm very willing to change my mind. I'm very willing to say I was wrong. And I felt like... When we were asked that question, I was like, um, we learn a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't get out all of my true feelings, but really having this podcast, having this platform to share to the world how much we love the lifestyle, how much we love being ethically non-monogamous allows people like me who are worth hearing what they have to say, but just are incapable of saying it in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was really a great experience being up on that stage, even though I was nervous. And it does give... 
everybody that opportunity. And it doesn't matter how many people listen to your podcast. If one person, 20 people, 100 people hear something that connects with them, or even if it doesn't connect with them, but they understand, hey, you know what? Maybe the lifestyle isn't for me, but I get it and I don't have to judge it. Right. Then it did something special to help push this forward. Being on that panel felt like there was a greater purpose. Mm -hmm. We get together, we record this on our own, we post our episodes on our own, you know, and we reach out to other podcasters here or there, but, you know, they don't really play a huge role in our day-to-day lives, right? But being up there in a group of people who do the same thing, who have similar goal, it was just very nice to share a stage with people who had the same goal, getting a positive word out about the lifestyle and about being ethically non-monogamous, about being consensually non-monogamous, about being a swinger. Whatever word anybody wants to <laughs> Whatever use. Whatever word fits your best description, closest description of you. We all had the same goal. We all wanted to get that positive energy, positive word out about it. I think being on that stage just naturally bonded us. The, the people who were on that stage just sharing in that experience with all of the other podcasters made it something that we were able to talk about the next day. The people on the panel that want to get the word out and want to be part of the community and want to grow this, we bonded with so incredibly well. And even there were podcasters that were sitting in the audience yeah. that were there to share in that experience. Yeah. And we bonded with them. And then later that night, the parade comes. We're all out there just connecting even more. And we all get to share in that moment of, I want to say marching, but we were, you were skipping. <laughs> Other people were dancing. It was just a shit ton of energy with crowds down the street cheering and taking video and yelling support for us. And to have that many people be open enough to walk down the street with their head held high, Mm -hmm. saying, yes, I am part of this community. We are proud to be here. Thank you for supporting this was incredibly special. Yeah. We touched on it in our bonus episode when we talked about the parade. And I thought about it a lot more after I said it. And then even in the following days and now up until now, when I started off in this lifestyle, I never felt the need to be validated for it. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought, okay, this is something I've chosen to do. I enjoy doing this. And it kind of is what it is, right? I didn't really think that anybody had to tell me it was okay. I didn't think anybody had to agree with it. It was just something I've chosen for myself and I was fine with that. I mean, I've spent 28 years trying to hide the fact that I do it. Well, and we hide it because the world judges it in such a way that the way that you're doing it and the way that the world sees it are two totally different things, right? We hide it because we're being judged on a level that's inappropriate. It's not what it is. When we go out to clubs and when we do these things, I don't feel that need to be validated. I don't need somebody to be like, yeah, it's okay to do what you do. I've never felt that need. But then once it was received, once you heard a complete stranger yell out that it doesn't matter what I love to do, that that complete stranger is going to love me no matter what. It was like, what? (laughs) I didn't need to hear that. But now, now that you said that, 
holy crap, maybe I did need to hear that all this mm-hmm. to all this time. Maybe I did need to hear somebody say that you can love what you want to love. And I mean, don't we all, I mean, it goes beyond the lifestyle. This goes beyond everything. It just, we all want to be accepted for the things that we love and the people that we are, the person that we are. I feel like that's just going to be my, my new go-to phrase. Like, it doesn't matter what you love. I love you anyways, because it hit a certain part in my heart that just exploded. And I cannot fathom ever having an experience quite like this ever again in my entire life. Like, I don't think anything will compare to that moment. You know, there's those moments in your life, like when you get married, when you have a baby, you know, when you see your your baby's face for the first time. I mean, all like those big moments. This ranks up there. Like this is up there in that list of never, ever going to happen again. I was touched on a level that was so deep that I can't comprehend. That's what the parade was for me. And Mm -hmm. skipping through that parade was just (laughs) uh, like icing on the cake. I loved it. I love skipping. I love skipping with Nick. He was fantastic. And the parade meant so much to me. And I was completely unprepared to have those kind of feelings in relation to this. Like, I thought it was just going to be silly fun. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like goofy, like, yeah, we're all here supporting one another. Great. Woohoo. But it just hit on a whole different level for me. And that takeaway from this entire experience will live with me forever. I could not agree more. <laughs> And to avoid getting emotional and to avoid. I know I'm watching your eyes well up as I'm talking and I'm like, no, I can't. I'm not going to break them again. I'm going to say the things that happened during that and the podcaster panel opened the door the next day for more bonding and growth between us and other people that were up there. Yeah. We had a few hours to hang out with Dan and Lacey and talk about things that happened. And we had hours to hang out with Anna and Ryan and talk about the things that had happened and just talk and share stories and continue to grow from that point on. I just thought the whole thing was fantastic. And I loved every bit of it. Then we head to the Millennial Swingers panel where Kylie, Brad, Life of Spice, and DJ Life of Spice, as well as four others who have asked their name not to be put out there, were up there. Mm -hmm. And they started talking about what it was like to be low 20s, early 30s, and in the lifestyle. Yeah. And it brought me all the way back to when I started and reminded me of the journey that I had and how much this community is growing because the massive influx from that age group Mm -hmm. is what I think is what's going to push this into a societal norm. Mm -hmm. But that whole thing was the biggest takeaway. And we got back and I reached out to Kate at Wanderlust Mm -hmm. and said, I need to talk to somebody that wasn't there. Do you have a few minutes? Mm-hmm. And I sent her that late the night we got back. She responded early the next morning because of the whole time difference. <laughs> and was like, sure, whenever you're free, let me know what time. And followed it up about an hour later. Police just left. Somebody broke into our house overnight. Oh, man. And I responded, hey, no big deal. We don't have to talk about it whenever. She goes, no, nonsense. You call me now. Let's let's talk. And she and I talked for a half an hour. <laughs> and... It was great to have the validation come from her as well, going, that's amazing. I love what you experienced. And having Daryl in the background chiming in with (laughs) his little quips were also entertaining as hell. So, I mean, all in all, it was nice to see the community growth here and that it extends past the people that were there and how much things are progressing forward. I agree. To sum it up, ultimately, we went into what we thought was going to be this huge party and we walked away with hearts 
that's full and emotionally satisfied in ways we probably never knew we needed and exhausted and dr- a well, little hungover. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> there's no way I would have had any clue that that's what we were walking out of there with. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Not in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that this type of validation was both necessary and also capable of being fulfilled at Naughty in New Orleans of all places. Thanks for joining us for a Hump Day Quickie. We hope this brought you some midweek excitement. If you have your own confession you'd like to share with us and our audience, please call 844-4HUMP-DAY and leave us a message. Can't wait to hear your sexy stories.